Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler, back with another episode in this series focused on digital advertising's COVID recovery. Check out iabuk.com forward slash connected to stay across all of the initiatives and work from our members that they're delivering right now as well as numerous resources to help your business adapt in these familiar yet still somewhat extraordinary times. Today's guest and I go back years. Sarah Christie is a coach and hypnotherapist who has worked across the world with companies like Booking.com, Group M and the NHS. She led Mindshare's Future Leaders Momentum programme in Europe and that's where we first met. Sarah has since moved to the Cornish coast where she runs a retreat that helps tackle work-related burnout, stress and anxiety. She has had a big impact on my career and I was delighted when she agreed to come on and talk about how things like imposter syndrome and anxiety have fared under lockdown and get into why, for some, returning to the familiarity of the office may come with its own stresses and self-doubt. But I started by asking Sarah about her lockdown experience so far. Well, um, I think I should start off by saying we're, we do realise how lucky we are because we're in a much more privileged uh, position in the sense that the southwest isn't as populated, of course, as London. So for, for me and, and for quite a few people I know in the area, lockdown has actually been actually quite um, an, an okay experience, if I can mm. put it that way, um, because we've got lots of open spaces. Uh, it hasn't been as restricted. The change hasn't been as dramatic, I don't think. Right. Um, and particularly where I live, it's a very rural part. And you know, we've been lucky enough to go out every day with the dogs. So we've got access to the beaches, the woods, and it's been wonderful. And actually, um, for me personally, it's been a time where I could actually catch up with things and get mm. on with things in kind of peace and quiet. Um, so I'm one of the lucky ones who very sort of hesitantly says, I've actually really enjoyed lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you think about the different stages, and it feels like we're now in a very different stage, maybe to the one we were, were at the start. There was, I remember when we all uh, down tools in the office and we all went home, there was a certain novelty to you know, having your team meeting on Zoom. Yeah. The novelty turned into, I think it was week five or six was the one you got to watch out for because that's when people have a bit of a moment. Um, so you get all the pinch points of that and suddenly you get into this sort of incredible rhythm because it sort of feels normal and you're good at it. And, and I feel like now we're approaching uh, as the uh, as some of the restrictions are lifted was slightly personally, I feel like we're getting into a bit of a groundhog day. It's the same thing kind of over and over again. Um, yeah. So we've got lots of pressures that we take with us at work. We sort of have some different pressures at home maybe, but now the two are, uh, are coming together. What impact do you think that's had specifically on the way our, our, our minds work, Sarah? Well, I think it's a really good point. And I think the point you made about the novelty it is absolutely true. So first of all, it's kind of quite exciting, I think. Mm. Um, but then after a while, yes, it, you sort of think, oh, now you know, I'm getting a bit bored of this or it's the same old, same old. And I think that's why it's important that as much as possible, if you can, you've got to have some boundaries so that you, you can still make that sort of cutoff point between working and then actually, um, you know, my home life is sort of separate. Mm. So I think where you can, we've talked about before about um, trying to create that office space for you or somewhere where you can go or at least a designated working area that says, right, when I'm sat here, this is work mode, yeah. but you must be able to get away from it, I think, and make that break so that you give your mind almost a rest um, and the ability to distinguish between 
what's my home life and what's my working life like. Um, otherwise, it's, yes, it's all going to get sort of on top of you, I think. And, and, the, and I think the lines become blurred. Yeah. The, the sort of the getting on top of you, often with work, you have maybe formal or informal sort of support mechanisms. You can go and chat to someone about stuff or uh, you turn up slightly differently at work, perhaps. Again, it feels so much um, harder. Maybe those things don't exist at all at home or they're replaced by trying to do things virtually, which is, um, I mean, some brilliant things about being able to connect with people virtually, but you know, somehow it's limiting. It doesn't feel like the, the same you can swing by someone's desk or see them at, 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 over the coffee machine and have a chat with them. Now I'd need to find some time in their diary and set up a call. It doesn't quite feel the same, does it? So um, is there an impact, do you think, with some of those support mechanisms not being as they were before? Um, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly there is. But I think it's also important to make the point that um, not everyone is the same. Hmm. So some people will feel this in varying degrees. And I think, um, again, it's sort of important to recognize that we mustn't, we must be careful of generalizations hmm. so that uh, not everyone is negatively impacted by lockdown. Some people have really enjoyed it and adapted well. Hmm. Uh, but there are others, as you say, who kind of feel, I think the people who really want the sort of social um, interaction and that, that feeling of connection, they're the ones who are going to be impacted most by lockdown. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important as well to sort of understand, as you know, I'm very interested in the mind and how it works. And I, I think I've been watching this sort of lockdown with a great deal of interest to see the impact because a lot of it is down to our own abilities, to how we view situations, how we perceive situations, and to start watching out for our mind playing a few little tricks on us. Mm. And it's really important to understand and be very aware, I think, of what you're focusing on. Because I think when you're alone and you don't like it and you're not used to it, it's going to be very easy for your mind to spiral down and to start focusing on what you're missing, uh, who you miss, what you haven't got at home, what you yeah. can't do. And you're suddenly in this negative cycle. And then you're focusing on, on that every single day. And every single day it gets worse and worse and worse and it builds and builds and builds. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have that traditional channel where you can go and find somebody and have a cup of coffee or go outside and scream or whatever it is you need to do. You know, <laughs> you haven't got that. You're, you're, it may feel like you are stuck at home and you can't see the end of it. And I think um, when we understand how our minds work, we can understand why that's happening. So... Um, I'd be delighted to tell you if you want me to. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get into it in a second. I think you're, I think you're bang on with the, this has worked in, for so many people in so many ways, whether you're spending more time with family and kids, whether, I mean, the exercise is a massive bit. So many people have said, I'm, I'm actually able to, I don't have to sit on a train for an hour, an hour and a half. I can go and do something more worthwhile. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'll be important for the people who are struggling a little bit more to almost use the strategies of the people who have adapted really well hmm. because if they could get into the same sort of mindset and view things that way they might find it a little bit easier to help when those when they have their bad days we're all going to get bad days and i'm not pretending those don't exist yeah but i think you can mitigate uh, what you're feeling by trying new things and and really kind of changing your focus if you like um, to what you can achieve and what is possible and I really love the idea of I mean I'm a great one for making lists and write, writing down a list of 
what has lockdown enabled me to achieve? Mm. And what is it, how, how has it enabled me to learn to do things differently and to innovate and be creative? And that will just start to change the shift in how you're viewing things. And once you do that, it'll tip over into how you then feel about things. Because mm. if you suddenly start to realize, actually, there are quite a few positives. I don't like it all of the time, fair enough. But there are some good things. Now I don't feel quite so bad as I did. Yeah. Uh, we've learned how to do lots of new things. We've learned about, you know, video conferencing etiquette and, you know, muting yourself. And, you know, we've, we've sort of learned how to do things, which is interesting. And maybe you've got to, I'm sort of envisaging the, the change curve. Maybe we're hovering around that sort of acceptable bit where, uh, acceptance rather, where actually yeah. this is okay. We've got into a groove of something now. Uh, that, that, of course, may be likely to change for some people quite soon as um, restrictions are lifted. There's talk of, um, you know, perhaps going back into the office. And I, I suppose one part is going, good, that feels familiar. It feels like it was before. But of course, there's another part to it where it may feel entirely unfamiliar. And we, you know, mm. hybrids of working in the office and at home. There's a commute that perhaps people haven't done for months and months and months. So um, yeah. how's that? How's that all playing out? That sort of mix of familiar and unfamiliar that is approaching us? Well, I think um, human beings in general, we're funny creatures, really. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we actually like what's familiar. We do like we need routines because I think it makes us feel safe and secure. And, and I think so when lockdown happened, that's why some people were impacted because it was such a huge change from the normal yeah. and we had to start and, and change can often, I don't know why, but we always assume that any change is going to be for the worst. <laughs> we never assume change will be for the best. Yeah. So uh, change does feel like a very real threat, you know, and that's why we feel very uncomfortable with it. But fine enough, you know, we get used to it. So some of us have now got used to working, even if we're not even that keen on it, we've got yeah. used to working yeah. from home and doing things with Zoom and what have you, and, um, and kind of getting used to that as the new normal. And now we're being told we've got to go back to work. And so even though it is familiar, because it's been three or four months mm. at the very least, you know, and it might be longer for some, then there is that impending, it's another change. Even though it's a change back to what was, it won't be quite what was. Yeah. And so yet again, we've got to take a deep breath and think, will I be able to handle this? Because I think that's the fear. That's the very natural fear in mm. people's minds. Will I be able to handle this? You know, I've, maybe even if I've done it before, it might not be so easy this time. Or indeed, another deep breath, I've got to do it all over again. And I've got to go through this change cycle yeah, all yeah. over again. And I just got used to it. And now they're asking me to do it again. It's very difficult for people sometimes. It's, it's, a, it's a really good point on the... Um, you know, we've done it before. There's a real logic, isn't there? Which is, we've we've done this thing for years, c commuting into. If you work in central London, like uh, like I do, you get on a train, you go in, you spend X number of hours in the office, and you get on the train. Like we're we're hardwired to do this, so logically, it feels like that should be quite straightforward. Um, yeah. But there's more stuff going on, isn't there? Well, there'll always be a battle between logic and emotion. Hmm. So if you're if you're fearful or, or anxious or worried about it. Um, unfortunately for us, uh, logic will never win in the battle between logic and emotion. So even though you know, and you can tell yourself a hundred times, I've done this before, yeah. I know it's okay, uh, we'll, you know, I did it, it'll be fine. You're still going to have all that fear building up, all that mm. apprehension, if that's what you're worried about, because you can't just 
um, logic away feelings. Yeah. Because, you know, your mind will latch on to a, a belief or a fear or an, a, an idea and it won't be persuaded out of that until mm. perhaps it's been tested. And, um, and I think that's, you know, that's actually quite an important point for people to realize because it's, it's, it's not actually the situation itself that has any significance. It's only the significance we place on it. Right. So nothing in life has meaning, only the meaning that we place on mm. it. So if we decide that it's a negative thing to go back to something, oh my goodness, am I going to be as good as I was before? Am I, you know, whatever, then um, that becomes a negative experience. And on, that's our reality. But so we're never actually responding to a, a real reality, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, we're yeah. only ever responding to our version of Got reality. It. So I may be really nervous about returning to work and I've got that really held as a, as a negative experience. You, James, might be it, the best thing since sliced bread. You are absolutely overwhelmed with excitement about <laughs> going back and reconnecting <laughs> with everybody and nothing else matters. So that's your emotion as well. Yeah. And that will still be very powerful, but yours is a positive emotion that's driving you back into the office. Mine is a negative emotion that makes me go, hey, I really don't want to do this. See. So our experience of exactly the same thing is quite different simply because how we're viewing it. It's fascinating. Well, it is, and it sort of seems so simple when you, when you put it like that. You, um, you touched on it there. Uh, as a coach, you've specialized in things like um, uh, self-doubt, things like imposter syndrome as well. Yeah. Do you think those things have been lots of things have been exaggerated during lockdown. Do you think things like that have been a bit exaggerated? Um, As in the feeling of rather than, yeah, um, uh, you yeah, know. Of other, yeah other people. Yes. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. Because I think, again, when you are at home, if you're isolated as well, mm. um, you know, you don't have that natural support network where you can go and find someone and be reassured or even just have a laugh with somebody and let yeah. them see you're sitting at home alone with your thoughts. <laughs> you know, never a good thing. Certainly not in my case, <laughs> anyway. Um, but, you know, and so if you're going, if you've already got a predisposition to feeling that way, you've already got a lack of confidence or a lack of doubt. Those things, un for, for sure, undoubtedly are going to be exaggerated. Because, again, it's your mind building up and mm. gathering evidence. And the more you think that way, the more you will influence your emotion and how you feel about it and mm. so actually you're going to end up making yourself and effectively talking yourself into feeling really bad about yourself and and the imposter syndrome will just go berserk and so therefore my advice to people in this situation is always to just be aware of yourself or just be vigilant check out that little voice inside your head what is mm. it saying um and and take measures to say now stop stop this i'm just being silly you know this isn't the truth this is not the case i'm just getting i'm tired you know i i often get that when i'm tired you know i start feeling miserable and i think yeah just get some sleep and you'll be much more resourceful in the morning so we have to kind of work out what our triggers are mm. and know you know are we you know liable to be feeling this way and what can we do about it to mitigate it there's uh like any readjustment or or change I'm really guilty of this personally. You always, you always sort of assume that everything will go swimmingly and be some sort of 
perfect but of course there's always snags and there will be snags in kind of going back to work as we adjust to new work routines or uh you know how we're going to connect with people and you know commute and all the things that will go into uh, maybe what we haven't done for for a few months how do you how do you sort of reconcile yourself with the fact that there are going to be some bumps in the road in this in this experience and there are going to be some snags and perhaps it's not going to be complete uh, plain sailing as much as we would love it to be two very very important points one we're human <laughs> two that's life yeah. <laughs> you know nothing in life is yeah. perfect it's absolutely fine and mm. of course we always did you know make mistakes and we always will do there's nothing nothing to worry about at all you know and that is perfectly natural there will be bumps in the road there'll be hiccups but it's about our resilience and our ability to mm. handle that and not to get it all blown out of proportion, right? You've really got to keep a healthy perspective uh, on these things that happen. And if you're struggling with that, then again, uh, when you do go back to work, well, wonderful, you'll have your boss to turn to, you'll have to, your colleagues to talk to about yeah. it. And if you haven't got that, then you can you know, go to the GP if you feel you need to, or um, there are coaches, there are mentors, there are counsellors. Mm. There's a lot of support out there if you feel just to get you over that. I mean, sometimes I think it's that that initial change. You know, I've got to go back into work and I'm really scared. I'm yeah, scared yeah. about the commute. I'm scared about what happens when I get to work. I'm scared I won't be able to perform as well as mm. I did because I've forgotten. I haven't done it for so long. But, you know, and just sometimes you need somebody to give you just that helping hand, step over that threshold, and you'll, you'll be like, it's like riding a bike. It'll all kick back in again straight away, and and you will find you'll you'll slot back into the groove much more easily than, mm. than you think. And I think it's about trust. We've all got to trust ourselves to know that we did it before. Yeah, yeah. We can do it again. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned the word resilience there as well. I, I, I'd love to get your take on is resilience this thing that you kind of have naturally, or, or, or is resilience something you can kind of work on to make you more resilient to things? Um, I think it's definitely something that can be developed. Yes, you, you can definitely work on it, um, for sure. And it is about, again, um, being kind to yourself. Mm. And I think you can always put yourself into the position of, what if I was my best friend and I was suffering, you know, my best friend was suffering the way that I'm suffering now, what would I say to that person? You know, mm. And you would be very encouraging, you'd be very helpful, you'd be very supportive. And you, you need to be able to do that to yourself. And again, as, as I mentioned earlier, it's all about, you know, the, the quality of your thoughts, the quality of your self-talk, um, and to understand, oh, am I just being a bit daft here? You know, I always think a sense of humor is very good for resilience. Yeah. yeah. You know, bring humor to the situation and sometimes think, oh, you know, sometimes I have to say, for heaven's sake, Sarah, get over yourself. You know, <laughs> this is no big deal. You're being an idiot. Um, and sometimes, you know, you give yourself a good talking to, but it is that ability to not let that little hiccup and that little setback become this enormous obstacle in your way. Yeah. Because it so isn't. It really, really isn't. And so therefore, if you can get things back into the size that they belong, you will realize when you take a step back, you go into the future 10 years from now, you'll, back, you'll look back and think, wow, was I really so worried about that little thing? Yeah. So if you can kind of get that sense of perspective now, all the time you can just bounce back, uh, keep going, put one foot in front of the other. 
until it all becomes easy again, you're always building up your inner resilience. Perfect. Um, we always end, Sarah, with uh, a couple of questions. One, I would love to ask you, which we haven't really asked since the very start of the series, when people were first at Wayfair, we were asking people to describe the view from where they're sat. And then oh we, we sort of retired it. I don't, know, I don't know why we were asking other things, but I think it's particularly pertinent for you because you're, uh, you're down in beautiful Bude in Cornwall, not far from the coast, uh, on, on Crockwood Farm, which is, your, uh, which is the retreat that you run. But, but tell us, with some artistic license, of course, it may not be from the very window you're looking out of, but <laughs> what's the, give us a taste of, of, of Bude and what, what the view's like there. Oh, well, now, where do I begin? <laughs> oh, here we go. Brace yourself, James. You'll wish you'd never asked this question. It depends on which direction you're standing in, but I've got nine acres here, so wow. it's absolutely wonderful. And in one direction, there is the most exquisite uh, view of just sort of endless countryside. It just mm. rolls away from you. It's, it is absolutely stunning. And uh, we've just got lots and lots of... Um, what can I say, hills, countryside, fields, there's sheep, and, you know, there's cows in the distance, it's absolutely mm. gorgeous. And if I look out another way, if I turn into another direction, I'm actually very fortunate enough to have uh, views of the sea. Can you? So we can see wow. the view coastal line because we're less than two miles away from view. Wow. So I have to say it is, it is stunningly beautiful here mm. and very tranquil and very peaceful. So that's probably why my lockdown experience was a little yes. bit different, you know, when you asked me at the very beginning. Uh, because all I have to do every time I feel a bit het up is go outside and just breathe it all in. Mm. Very, very lucky. Uh, the second question is, uh, is on lockdown to-do list. And of course, we're, you know, technically not completely locked down. So uh, it yeah. will be time if you haven't completed anything on lockdown to-do list and you intended to, you might mm. have to get a wriggle on. But any uh, list that you made at the very start and stuff that you've ticked off? That's a tricky one because my life here <laughs> is a never ending to do list. Um, <laughs> because, you know, with nine acres of land, as soon as of you put in one corner and you, you know, by the time you've done it all, it all needs doing again. So, um, so yes, the short answer is yes, we have done masses. Yeah. Uh, and no, we've not got to the end of it. But you know what? I talk about acceptance. Um, it's permanently changing here and I've accepted that change is going to be the constant in my life and, and my to-do list will never get done very very and good um, Sarah thank you so much for giving us half an hour there's such sage advice in there and there's there's all sorts of things that even personally I've got loads and this has been like a this has like been a this has been brilliant for me personally thinking about stuff and I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be incredibly helpful as people genuinely start to think about uh, perhaps the next change, which is sort of going back to what we thought, you know, before it might be different, but there's some brilliant, brilliant stuff in there. We're going to put all the links in the notes as well to, to Crockwood Farm and everything you do. But thank you again so much for giving us some time today. Well, thank you for, for letting me have the chance to, to share with you. It's been brilliant. Thank you ever so much. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising. Sarah Christie there. She makes it sound incredibly simple, doesn't she? It, it really boils down to... The quality of your thoughts, uh, the, the quality of your self-talk and just understanding a bit more about how our minds work. 
I thought there were some brilliant, mega easily digestible things in there. And I really hope you did too. Uh, so that's it for this episode. We'll be back next week with another one. In the meantime, if you want to listen to more episodes like this one, you can find them all at ibuk.com forward slash connected or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks very much for listening. IAB UK.